0: That song that we just sang, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, is a very beautiful song. It is a sincerely heartfelt sentiment. And it sounds and serves almost as a prayer. In fact, it very closely resembles a prayer that we will read about in scripture later in this evening's lesson. This song's most prominent pleading reflects a soul-deep desire to somehow see God. A privilege that such men of God as Moses in the Old Testament and the Apostle Philip in the New Testament begged God for the opportunity to experience, to truly see him as he is, uh, Exodus chapter 33 and John chapter 14. It's also a song that reminds us of another great man of God who was allowed to envision the glory and holiness of the Lord in Isaiah chapter six, and I'm gonna ask you to please turn there. We see a a resemblance to this scripture in that song. As I say, of a man who actually was allowed to see or envision the glory and beauty and holiness of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 6, begins in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Doesn't that sound like the song? High and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Realized who he was in comparison to God. Nothing. Then one of the seraphim verse six flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the tongs taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Reminds me of us and how the Lord has taken away our sins so that we are worthy to stand in his presence. Also, verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. When you truly see the glory of the Lord, when you truly understand what the Lord is all about, and the Lord says, I need you to go, who's going to go? We'll say, I will go. I will. Send me, Lord, please. Give me that privilege of serving one such as yourself. And verse 9. God said, Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes, uh, their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, is a song that reminds us that we cannot afford to be blind to the person and the presence and the power of the Lord God Almighty in our lives either, especially as we walk through some of the the dark valleys, the despair-filled valleys that we are sometimes forced to forge through on our journey home to heaven. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord is therefore a song that will serve as the introduction to both of our sermons today in, hope, in order to hopefully get our minds moving in that direction to help our eyes see just a little bit more clearly God's awesome power and God's presence and his providence in our lives, especially in our darkest hour. We're going to do this with a little two-part sermon miniseries entitled Lord, open our eyes that we may see. What our world desperately needs today is to truly see Jesus. Just the same as they needed to see him during the days he walked the earth in the flesh, as well as every other day ever since and in between. And that goes for both the world at large, the religious world at large, and even a large number of us in the Lord's church today, as the troubles of this world sometimes seem like they are going to completely engulf and overwhelm and maybe even destroy us. So we're going to begin this morning with a discussion of two things, discussion of How both the world at large as well as the religious world at large needs so desperately to see Jesus for who he truly is today. Then tonight, I'm going to be preaching a sermon that is intended to strengthen and comfort and encourage and enable and empower you as a Christian to hopefully better see Jesus in your life As well. And I sincerely hope that you will be back for that lesson tonight. What our world needs today is to truly see Jesus, to see and follow him for who he is and what he has to offer. Think about that. Our world today needs to see and follow Jesus for who he is and what only he has to offer. As we were at Green Valley Bible Camp last week, we talked at length about the Beatitudes and how those attitudes of the heart set the stage for everything else that followed in Jesus' ministry. Those are attributes and attitudes of the heart that we need to have in order to follow Jesus. And I, I was reminded throughout the week, as we talked about this word blessed, which means happy. Greek word makarios, as our kids will probably never forget after last week. I, I was reminded, as we constantly talked about the, that blessed, happy life, that, that only Jesus can provide us, how much more wonderful and worlds happier everybody's life would be countless millions of lives would be if people would just simply follow what God said. Pure and simple. If people would just follow the Lord's directions and live as God intended and instructed, just think of all of the hurt and the pain and the misery and the suffering that we inflict on each other at times, even that would be averted and completely avoided that would never happen if people would just live the way the author of life told us to live how much better off we would all be think think about it this way think about all of the broken lives and broken homes and broken families and broken people and broken promises that never would have been if people would have only lived according to the word of God. Think about that. If you will turn with me to Psalms one, one through three. Psalms, chapter one, verses one through three. We will see this reflected this was a verse that was noted early on in our classes at Green Valley Bible Camp last year tied to the blessings or the happiness found in the Sermon on the Mount for those who would do what uh, they are told there in the first 12 verses. But this, this book as well tells us the same thing, how wonderful life would be if everybody would just do it God's way. Blessed, Psalm 1 and verse 1, is the man Happy is the man. It's a Hebrew word, not a Greek word, but it carries the same idea. Blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Happy is the man who doesn't get involved and engaged in all of that ungodly stuff going on. But his delight, verse 2, his delight, his, the thing that he delights, the thing he enjoys, the thing he, he, he strives for so much because it makes him so happy, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That's the road to happiness, people. We can look for happiness wherever we want. The world is looking for happiness everywhere. But the only way that we're going to find true and lasting happiness is living for Jesus Christ. Living the way the Bible says. God, listen, Years ago, and some of you are way too young to remember this, but years ago, I can remember when most gasoline was leaded, and they came out with this little sticker on cars that isn't there anymore, but used to be they wanted you to know unleaded fuel only. Why? Because the designer of that car understood that that car had to run on unleaded. And if you put leaded in it, it's like if you put kerosene in a car today or you put diesel in a car that takes gas, it ain't going to run right people who made the vehicles know this. So they got a warning, don't don't do this. God is our creator. And God has given us a label. He says, I know how to make you happy. You want to be happy? Here's how you be happy. Blessed are. Blessed is. Right here. He shall, Psalm 1 and verse 3, be like a man planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. As some of you know. If the air conditioner gets broken in your house and the heat is on and it goes up above 100, your plants are gonna wither and die. This man, no matter how much heat comes, his leaf shall not wither. He will be fruitful, he will be happy. But see, the world doesn't believe that. The world doesn't believe they need Jesus to be happy. See, here's the thing, people have been lied to and they are still being lied to. The world has been and is still being lied to. The religious world has been and is still being lied to. Church of Christ members, parents, grandparents, elders, preachers, deacons, all of us, every member, have been and are still being lied to by Satan when it comes to happiness. We've been lied to too much. But the problem with that is is that we've been lied to so much about where true happiness is found, in other words, contradicting what the Bible says in all of those other areas, then some have swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker. They have swallowed it all the way. Satan has completely deceived the vast majority of people into believing, just like he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, that bad is good, that wrong is right that immoral is normal, that sin and unrighteousness produce the most pleasure and happiness, and that evil, pain, and suffering are somehow the fault of an all-loving and gracious God, when just exactly the opposite is true in every one of those situations. Bad is not good. Wrong is not right. Immoral is not normal. Sin and unrighteousness do not produce the most pleasure and happiness. God has told us how to be happy. But you see, the problem here, as we shall see <laughs> again and again, is that this blindness, whether it's blindness of the world, the religious world, or, or even some members of the church, for sure, because they're human, is a chosen blindness. Don't, don't forget that phrase throughout. It's a chosen blindness. Don't forget that phrase, because as we are going to see, it doesn't have to be that way. God doesn't want it to be that way. Listen, God sent his son to this earth so we could see exactly who he is. Is that right? That's so what he told Philip in John chapter 14. Have I been with you so long, Philip, and still you do not know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> Hebrews chapter one, one through three tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. He's the exact representation. God sent his son to this earth so that we could see who he, that is God, is. However, Some have chosen, just like they did in Jesus' day, to remain blind to that and to him. Most of those who are blind are blind because they choose to be, and that is a situation which Satan cannot wait to just jump right in there and help strengthen to their eternal destruction. Time to get blind. The world is blind. The world is in a mess the world is going to hell and the reason they are in the trouble and the distress and the conflict and the confusion they are is because they have chosen to close their ears and their eyes and their hearts and their minds and to turn completely away from their Lord God and Creator. That is why they are in the mess they are in. Now, that's not God's preference. That's not God's preference for your life and mine. That's not God's preference for those he created. That's not God's preference for those he wants to spend eternity in heaven with him. God's preference is that you live joyously. Why did Jesus say, what did Jesus say? I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, that's why he came. Last Sunday, we talked about the joy he had the night before he was crucified, even then, and he wanted his disciples to have it. God wants you happy. God's told you how to be happy. The reason the world is not happy, the reason there is so much killing, and anger, and frustration, and chaos, and confusion, and and heartache, and broken people, and broken lives, is because they choose to be blind to the true source of happiness. That's it. That's the reason. See, God loves his creation so much that he will honor anybody's free will, choice, or decision to become and remain blind and wretched and miserable if that's what they want to do. Let me give you a reference. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 13. If a person truly wants to choose to stay blind, to remain blind, God will let them. It's not his preference, but he loves us enough to allow us to choose. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Here he comes. He's going to quote Isaiah Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand And in them the prophecy of isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and not understand seeing you will see and not perceive For the hearts of this people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing their eyes They have closed. Do you see that choice? Their eyes they have closed. They're not crying out open the eyes of my heart Lord they're saying, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see your root. I don't want to see you at all. Lest, th- th- their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. God says, I want to heal them. God says, oh, I want to heal them. But they've got to turn from this attitude of, I'm going to keep my eyes closed, stay away from me. And did you see what he said in the next verse? But blessed, aha, there's our word. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your hearts for they hear. Blessed, happy, if you will, are your eyes. Why were their eyes blessed? Because they wanted to see Jesus. Remember back here at the very beginning of our reading in verse 10, after Jesus had taught, they came and said, we got a question. What are you talking about? They wanted to see. They were saying, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open my eyes. Open my understanding. I want to see this. I want to understand. And he said, you're blessed because you want to see. They aren't because they want to stay blind. There are only two kinds of people present whenever and wherever the word of the Lord is preached. There are only two kinds of people that are present. Those who say open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to understand, I, I want to get this, I, I, I want to know you, Lord. And those who choose to close their eyes and say, no, I don't want to hear it, I don't, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna take that into my heart, I'm just gonna avoid it, I don't believe it, I don't want anything to do with it. We see another example of the fact that God will honor a person's free will choice or decision to remain blind if they want to in Romans chapter one. Romans chapter 1 God doesn't want this for anybody God's done everything he can to show them that he is God and that he knows best and he knows the right way and he's done everything he can to show them his power because he wants them to come to him for that happiness not be so miserable but the world Are like these described here verse 18 of romans 1 the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth they don't want the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of god is manifested in them for god has shown it to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse god's shown them that he's there Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, no, were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Therefore, God says, okay, I've shown you who I am. I have everything you'll ever need. I've shown you my power. You can see it all around you. But you're suppressing that truth, and and because you don't want anything to do with me, and, and the happiness that I have to give you then I'm going to let you have your way. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them up to uncleanness. And he goes down through this, this list of sins. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Because goes down here in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. They didn't want anything to do with, the, with God and the happiness he had to offer. So he said, OK, if you're not going to listen, then, then have it your way. And he gave them over to this debased mind, and so they—if they're, they're not filled with the happiness of God, and they're not filled with obedience and humility and faithfulness and all of those things—then they're filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters. These people have got to be miserable, don't they? Read that list, these are miserable people. Can you be, imagine being filled with all this unrighteousness and hatred and evil and anger? They gotta be absolutely miserable. They've got to be some of the most miserable people on the planet. How would you like these guys for friends? See, if they didn't want to come to God for the peace and the fulfillment and happiness, what, what the world needs is to see Jesus. Not to close their eyes and their minds to him, because otherwise they're, verse 31 as well, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving death, not only do they do the same, but approve of those who practice them. Not only do they practice them, but they approve of others practicing them in our world today. We know that laws are being made that actually approve of of some of those things, and and we would notice Psalm chapter two. In Psalm chapter two, God says you can't live like that and make rules, you leaders of you countries, and and make rules and laws which condone this. You, You can't do it. The world needs to see Jesus. The world needs to read Psalm two. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Rulers of nations are saying we're not gonna, we're not gonna listen to God. We're gonna stay blind to God. We don't care what God says. We're gonna, we're gonna promote sin. We're gonna okay sin. We're going to legalize all of these things that's not in accordance with the word of God. They're, they're seeking to break the bonds. With God, and it says in verse four, God laughs at them. He shall, verse five, speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. God says, "Tell you what? You, you try this all you want, but just—you guys are pathetic." Uh, he laughs at them because he said, "I have a king, and you better listen, and you better open your eyes, and you better listen to my king." His king, obviously, being his son, Jesus Christ. And we read, beginning in verse 12, Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Hey, all you kings of the earth that want that to wanna break the bonds with the Bible and what God says and you want to move away from everything he said and you want to legalize all this stuff that, that God says don't do because it's sin, be wise, be instructed, you judges of the earth. God is so good, he seeks to warn them again and again. What does he warn them of? Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. You better love Jesus, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. But then look at the next line. Here we go again. Despite all of that, despite the nations plotting and scheming, despite them trying to break away from God's instruction, despite them not loving God and, and, and trying to, to do what he wants, closing their eyes to the truth of God's word, and, and they're going to perish and face his anger. Look at the contrast. Blessed are all of those who put their trust in him. What's the word blessed mean? Happy. happy, and Despite all of that that's going on, by contrast, happy are those who put their trust in I am so glad to be a Christian. I am so grateful to God, not only for the blood of his son, obviously that, But for his word, in his word, he tells me how to be happy. The world needs to open their eyes to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, lest they perish. And all it's going to take is his wrath to be kindled a little. Just a little. It don't take a whole lot for God to destroy. Those who choose to remain blind to God remain blind to the joyful life that obedience to his word provides. And as I said, they're some of the most wretched and miserable and joyless people on the planet. Living lives that are, according to Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hate, Full and hating one another. That's Titus 3.3. 3. That's what they live in. Hateful and hating each other. What a miserable way to live. What an ugly day-to-day existence. The Bible says in Titus 3.3 3, that that's what they living in. Why? Because the one route to true peace and happiness. They close their eyes to and they want nothing to do with it. And you see, God doesn't want those who are His, His people. Those who want to see Him for who He truly is, He doesn't want them to remain blind. He doesn't want those who truly want to see Him open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Those who truly sing that song and need it and just want God to open their eyes to who He is and and, and the happy life, the joyful life that He has to provide. God doesn't want those people to live Foolish, futile, darkened, miserable, joyless, ignorant, hell bound and alienated from him lies. The Apostle Paul told us that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, when he said, This I say therefore, testify in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's the reason. That's the whole reason. He said, you as Christians, you can't live like that anymore. Those who, because of the blindness of their heart, are past feeling and have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. Satan has deceived the world into thinking that there is joy and peace and happiness somewhere else other than in the scriptures to the point that most people close their eyes in the world to the scriptures. Listen. It's, it's, it's insane. It really is. It, it's, I'm not calling anybody insane. I'm saying this whole concept is insane. How confused Satan has got people. Listen. Get a big dog. You walk by this big dog and you go for your walk. You reach down pat this big dog and he just lacerates your arm. And you're miserable. You get an infection. You put medication on it. You go walking three days later. You go by that big dog and you stick your hand right down there again. The dog opens everything back up and you're infected again. How many times are you going to do that before you realize, hey, if I want to be happy, maybe I ought not to stick my arm in this dog's mouth. Let me tell you how confused Satan has got the world. There are people in this world who are miserable. They are miserable because their lives have been infected and impacted with sin. They are miserable because sin has eaten them up. And they're looking for any kind of relief. They're looking for joy and happiness. So where do they look for it? They go right back to the same dog that bit them before and let him bite them again and again, 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 and again. That's insane. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But you know people in the world that do this, brethren. We know people. The last thing they're gonna do is open their eyes, open the eyes of their heart, Lord, and accept what the scriptures say. They're going back to the same dog that has bit them for the last 20 years, and they're gonna try to find joy there again, and they're gonna get bitten again, and what a miserable, wretched life with no hope, and no help, and no happiness. That is how blind and deceived Satan has got this world, and it is up to us to help set them free. Second Timothy, read it with me, please. Turn there and follow along. Second Timothy, look, look at what it says. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 24. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. It is up to us to try to shine the light of the gospel. Maybe we need to shine it just a little at a time. We can't put a floodlight on somebody. They think they're being interrogated but we need to shine that light into their lives just a little. Those who are captured by Satan and they keep going back to the same dog of sin to be bitten again and again because they're never going to find happiness. We have what they need, and we need to do as it says here and help them to escape that snare, to shine the light on what they're doing. The, The world needs to see Jesus Christ. But it's not just the world. The religious world at large as well. They today, just as they were in Jesus' day, many of them are blind to who he is. It's, it's nothing new. Look at me in Romans chapter 10. The Jews were religious in Jesus' day, in Paul's day. They were very religious. They were so religious, in fact, that they tried to kill Paul because of their convictions. They were that religious. They would kill for their convictions. Look what Paul says in Romans 10, 1, through 3. The religious world at large needs to see Jesus. They need to have the eyes of their hearts open, too. Romans 10, 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved, for I bear them witness. They have a zeal for God. They they get this this driving zeal, and they want to please God, but not according to knowledge. Oh, they're all hepped up and all emotional and all excited about God, but they don't know the first thing the Bible says. And he says that they don't understand that for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Ignorance and blindness are synonyms, just as we saw in Ephesians 4 and verse 18. When the Bible talks about people being ignorant of God and that sort of thing, quite often it's talking about those who are blind, again, Ephesians 4, 18. So they sought to develop this righteousness of their own justify their own beliefs, develop their own set of standards to their eternal destruction, just as it says in 2 Peter 3, 15-18. Just like so many man-made religious groups today that have their own set of standards and rules and doctrines that are found nowhere in the Bible whatsoever. They just ain't there. There, as we say in New England. They ain't there. They can't be found in Scripture. And that's the same thing. People that don't know about God's righteousness, that don't know about... They haven't opened their eyes to the scripture and the wisdom and all that God has to offer here, and they've they've developed their own counterfeit set of standards that they think will somehow save them, and, and it won't. There's no greater example in the scriptures of somebody trying to open the eyes of the religious world at large to who Jesus is that is a better example than Jesus Jesus, in his day, the sinless, perfect, pure teacher, the teacher who was the master teacher. He's called teacher in the four Gospels more than any other title. He sought to open their eyes, religious people's eyes, for them to see who he truly was if they wanted to go to heaven. Many examples. Let me give you one. Turn with me to John 9. John 9, oh, how he tried to open their eyes. Religious people. John chapter 9, we know the story well. He heals the boy born blind. There's quite a process that, that we read about there. The whole chapter is about that. And the Pharisees have an absolute fit and blow little gasket about it. Calling his parents. the parents say, he's of age. Let him tell you. They call the boy back in. Love the boy's answer. Different sermon for a different time. But anyway, at the end of this, down in verse 40. Start verse 39, actually. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said that if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. What's Jesus' point? Jesus said, Look, if you were truly blind to what's going on, if you really couldn't see at all, what's going on, what I've done, and who I am by the signs that I've performed, if you really couldn't see that at all, that'd be thing. But since you say that you've got it all figured out, that, that you see, that you know who God is, and, and all of these things, therefore, your blindness remains, because you haven't got a clue. Because God's standing right in front of you, you don't recognize him for who he is. The Pharisees needed their eyes, the eyes of their hearts opened to who Jesus was. These strongly, strongly, devoted religious people had no clue who Jesus was. No clue. Jesus sought to open the eyes of the blind religious people of his day time and again, telling them things like he does in Luke 6, 46, where he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? But Why do you call me your Lord, and, and which means boss, and not let me be boss? He's trying to open their eyes. Jesus Matthew 22, verse 29, according to the English Standard Version, told a group of highly religious people, you are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. That won't get you brownie points in today's society and the religious world. You're wrong. You don't know what the Bible says. That's what Jesus told them. You are wrong knowing neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, said you're wrong because you don't know the Bible. To a religious group. How many times did Jesus use the phrase in his ministry, have you not read, have you not read to religious people? It's like, what are you doing, in, if I may put it in my journal? What are you doing in services? Haven't you read? They'd ask the person, well don't you know, haven't you read where it says this in your Bible? My paraphrase, to highly religious people. Matter of fact, in Matthew 23, 16 through 26, Jesus calls the highly religious scribes and Pharisees blind guides twice, blind fools twice, and blind Pharisee once. The Pharisees were the religious group. They were the ones. They were at the top of the religious food chain. And Jesus says, you're blind. You're blind fools. You're blind guides, blind Pharisee. And Jesus didn't just call that particular religious group blind privately. Listen, Jesus made sure that everybody around him knew that that religious group was blind so that others would not fall into that same trap and be led astray by them and their doctrines. For example, in Matthew 15, 12 through 14, Jesus warned his disciples what would happen to those who followed the teachings of that particular religious group or that fell under their influence. Listen to what he says. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They. Who's the they? The Pharisees. That religious group. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Jesus didn't just tell them this to their face in Matthew 20, 30. Jesus told his disciples, in fact, we just got done with a phenomenal week at Green Valley Army. And the lessons there were on the Beatitudes, as we all know. The very first recorded words of God that we have after a 400-year prophetic silence once again, I would remind us of what the entire theme of the Sermon on the Mount was. Remember, and I told you this last week, say again. I told kids down there at camp, say again. The entire theme of the Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew 5 and verse 20, where Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall by no means enter the kingdom. Everything before that leads up to it when Jesus is explaining, and everything after that is an illustration of it. That is the pinnacle, the theme, the topic, the crux, the epitome, point he's trying to make with the whole Sermon on the Mount. They do this, but you do this. They do this, but you do this. As a matter of fact, how many times do we find, I'll tell you how many times. In Matthew 5, five times we find the phrase you have heard that it was said and but I say to you. Jesus' whole point in in Matthew 5, you've heard, unless your righteousness surpasses that ascribed to Pharisees, you won't go to heaven. Now, you've heard them say this. You've heard it said. He's talking about what they teach talking about how they live. You've heard it said, but that ain't right. Or as Jesus said, "But I say to you, this is the way it needs to be done." Because they're wrong. In they're, they're giving, and they're praying. They're wrong. And here's the thing: Who was there at the Sermon on the Mount? It was open to the public. With a lot of disciples. A lot of people there. Don't miss this about the Sermon on the Mount. In that sermon, Jesus' whole point was to warn anybody and everybody who would listen about the teachings of this particular religious group, the scribes and Pharisees, and why they were wrong, and what God intended instead. In the scriptures, Paul tells us that we need to do the same thing. Romans chapter 16, we love Romans 16, 16, but we often stop without 17 and 18. Turn to me to Romans 16. You see, the religious world of Jesus' day, needed their eyes open to who he was, Pharisees in particular. Boy, did he try. They had their eyes down and locked tight. Paul says in Romans chapter 16, following, we're familiar with verse 16, Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. And by the way, that's the point I try to make to people is if you're looking for the churches of Christ, don't just look in phone books like most other churches. Look in the Bible. There it is. But then he goes on to say this. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For those who are such, of such do not serve our Lord Jesus but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Were there religious people, in Paul's day, that taught things different than what the Bible said. Yes. What did Paul say to do? Paul said, help them. Mark them, your version may say. List them and avoid them. Stay away from them, because they're not serving God. They're serving their own pride. Yes, the world, as well as the religious world at large, both need so desperately today to open the eyes of their heart and their ears and their minds who Jesus really is, Lord, Master, King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of the living God. They need to open their eyes to the fact that he is the answer to what ails them, that he is the solution to their problems, and that he alone is the source of never-ending joy, Jesus and Jesus alone. And people... In the world, as well as the religious world at large, need their eyes open to that. And they need their eyes open to the fact that he is king. And you don't run off and do whatever you want when the king says you do it this way. Would that solve a lot of problems in the religious world, you think? If everybody just opened the Bible and say he's king, I'm not. I'm going to do it his way. Would that take care of a lot of things, you think? Take care of everything. They don't have their eyes open to who he truly is. Some think, he, well, he's this nice guy, and yeah, and, and he lived, and he had these good things to say, and, and I believe he's the son of God, and then they go off and live like, like he never existed. Yeah, I believe he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and then they run off and they do the exact opposite of what he said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus, I, I can almost picture Jesus scratching right his head, and he says that in my mind. Well, why do you do that? They needed their eyes open to who he truly is, and brethren, they still do. bigger question right this morning, right this moment, is how do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the gods of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them satan has got a lot of people blinded to who he truly who jesus truly is the night when they hear the gospel and they hear that that they need to believe the gospel and confess their sins and they need to repent in their lives and they need to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins they just they're so blinded well no i, I just don't believe that well you don't believe god that's what scripture says you got to do no, no, I, I can be righteous without it. It's like those folks in Romans 10, 1 through 3. They, they need the eyes of their heart open to the fact that he's Lord. He's God. He's king. He's the ruler. He's the controller. He's the boss. He's the one who gets to set the conditions for entrance into his kingdom, not somebody else. And you need your eyes open to that's who he is. How do you see him? Has Satan possibly blinded you to the point you will still yet refuse to obey him as king and lord and master or do you see him as king and lord and master as he truly is, as the son of the living God who loves you died for you and is therefore worth your constantly learning about, surrendering to and living for him you see in that way For the rest of your earthly and eternal life. If you are one of the former that to this point somehow Satan has blinded you to the fact that you need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, that's okay. That's okay as long as you make the decision today to sit down and study with someone. Let us sit down and study the Bible with you so that we can be the tool in God's hand to help open your eyes and the eyes of your heart to what God said. Or if you're somebody here who's already been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and added to Christ's church, and and you need help in some way to be happy. We would love to help you with that. There's no better time to have the eyes of your heart open than right now. Because you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen when you leave here, Matthew chapter 13. Parable of the Sower. You know what's going to happen. Say, well, I'll just wait. Satan comes along and snatches the word that was sown in your heart. That's what the Bible said. Don't let him do that. Hasn't Satan beaten you up enough? Don't let him steal what you've heard this morning. you need the eyes of your heart open for a Bible study, for the prayers of the church, or if you're just ready this morning to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, let us know as we stand and sing.